Good afternoon. It's Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. This is Alicia Bales. I'm live here in the studio. I've just gotten out of the county's coronavirus briefing. They did a live stream and uh, on their YouTube channel and on Facebook, and I recorded it for you. It's the latest coronavirus update from Dr. Andy Corrin, our public health officer, about what's happening here in Mendocino County. I'll give you kind of the headlines. The headlines are, Dr. Corrin says, we're living in two worlds here in Mendocino County with uh, one for the vaccinated folks and one for the unvaccinated folks that there are currently two people in the hospital and two in the ICU, up from none in the last few weeks. And every one of these sort of increasing numbers of uh, coronavirus cases we are seeing in the county are people who are unvaccinated. Uh, new cases are predominantly younger people who are unvaccinated from the 18 to 49 year old group, but the least well vaccinated, the most serious, the the most serious cases are in older people. So. Without much more ado, I'm going to play now the county's coronavirus briefing uh, and let you hear for yourself the state of things in the county, including the county's response to the CDC's announcement that they're no longer advising vaccinated people to wear masks or socially distance. So what does that mean for Mendocino County? Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Trevor Mokel and welcome to the Mendocino County COVID-19 update. Today we are pleased to be joined by Mendocino County Health Officer Dr. Andy Corn who will give an update on the COVID-19 status of our county. After that, we'll open up to take a few questions from the media concerning the COVID-19 incident, limited to two questions from each media outlet, in order to preserve the schedules of our staff. If time allows, we'll also take questions from the public. If you're a member of the public, please leave a comment on the video, and we'll do our best to address it. Now, beginning with the health update, Dr. Korn, you have our attention. Thank you very much. Welcome, everyone. So I'll present as usual the data first. And uh, uh, the first uh, uh, bit of information comes from a couple of days ago, May 12th. In the United States, the coronavirus cases now amount to 32 million, uh, 32,307,053. The deaths are 583,547. In that regard, the U.S. is still number one. Uh, There are uh, significant outbreaks continuing in Minnesota, Michigan, New Zealand, the Northeast, and Puerto Rico. In California, our cases number uh, 3,658,198. And new cases per day amount to 3.6 per 100,000. We've had... 61,305 deaths and that uh, and our test positivity in California is 1.1%. In Mendocino as of today our average daily new cases uh, is 5.17 per 100,000 and our case positivity rate is 1.2%. I want to alert the audience here that we've had some days with very high numbers recently, and this can sometimes get obscured by these averages. Uh, Just on Wednesday, we had 15 reported new cases. Yesterday, we had eight cases, and that really has me worried. Uh, Please note that these cases have all been in unvaccinated people, and I'm going to return to this in a minute. The total cases in Mendocino County, number 4,078. Uh, Of those, 2,011 are from the Hispanic community. We currently have 46 in isolation, 
42 who are quarantined, and the deaths now number 49. In the hospital, uh, that has also taken an increase. We have two on med surge and two currently in the intensive care unit. One of those people is in the intensive care unit at, UC, at University of California, San Francisco, due to severe COVID associated with her pregnancy. And I will also address that in a minute. Outbreaks, we have just closed the outbreak for a family business in Willits. And there are no current outbreaks, although four school cases are open. Again, all unvaccinated. We do have some high-risk cases and clusters in public-facing roles. Uh, and these are young people who have not been vaccinated. Uh, contact investigation and contact tracing continues uh, and is just as important now as earlier this year uh, in order to rapidly mitigate the outbreaks as well as following up these reports of whole genome sequencing uh, to see if there's anything more coming into our community. I am concerned that we might be going through what we saw 14 months ago where a few cases were seen here and there, and we later found that this was a smoldering fire just waiting to explode, which it did over the winter. Uh, but it has now become clear that we are seeing this epidemic affect two different worlds. Those who are vaccinated are not being uh, involved in current cases, and those who are unvaccinated who are uh, taking the brunt of the current cases for the vaccinated, there is generally no quarantine required in people with close contact, except those with symptoms. And there's a relaxing of restrictions, for example, with gatherings and travel and the use of masks. In the world of the unvaccinated, this virus is still continuing to spread. And it is affecting the most vulnerable, the elderly, those with cancer, those with immune deficiencies, and pregnant women who may not even know that they are pregnant yet. And this is much more severe disease in pregnant women uh, uh, leading to preterm births and to miscarriages. Research has also been very illuminating in the effects of long-term COVID, even among young, healthy people. Lancet re recently published a research article showing that neurologic and psychiatric uh, uh, long-term consequences um, affect two to five times more people uh, who have had COVID than those who have not. And this is people with no known risk factors other than COVID. There is now data showing the neurodevelopmental effects in the babies of women who were COVID positive during their pregnancies. And this in some ways mimics what we had seen in perinatal measles, which is now controlled with childhood vac vaccinations or the uh, uh, recent outbreaks around the world of Zika virus, which is a mosquito-borne virus, which included increased risk of neurological diseases, and uh, that included cerebral palsy, learning disabilities, autism, and schizophrenia, which may not even be apparent for as long as two to 20 years later. For this reason, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Society of Maternal and Fetal Medicine support COVID vaccine for pregnant and nursing mothers. Those who remember how long it took to understand the effects of chronic Lyme's disease should also appreciate how the information about COVID 
is coming to light this early in the course of this pandemic and while there's still while there is an effective prevention with vaccination so for those who still choose to live in the world of the unvaccinated expect to have more hassles with travel more hassles with attending large events and i have two pieces of advice the first is get vaccinated and the second is until you do continue to mask 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 continue to keep your distance keep the windows open use the hand hygiene and test often i'll move on to surveillance testing we continue to have surveillance testing every sunday to thursday from 9 to 5 p.m at the ukiah fairgrounds and in fort bragg at the vets hall every tuesday from 9 to 5. our travel team is visiting today at potter valley for a special surveillance response and uh, in Gualala, Boonville, uh, later uh, in the day. People being tested with symptoms should go to their clinics or providers on weekdays or the emergency room if they're very sick. The schools are now testing some staff and especially athletes regularly as more high school sports-related cases have been reported in California. And uh, these this was involved in the recent cases we have seen here in Mendocino. We've had rare positives after fully vaccination and none recently in California. This amounts to 0.026% of fully vaccinated people who test positive for COVID. These cases are mild. In Mendocino, none have resulted in hospitalization or death. This is such a small number that the California Department of Public Health prefers no longer to refer to this as breakthrough as the number is actually much less than would have been expected. Variants in Mendocino County, uh, we have received uh, reports of over 150 tests for variants, the whole genome sequencing, that were done by the state network called COVID-NET. These initially, dating back to January, showed no variants of concern in Mendocino. Subsequently, we saw the West Coast or California variant of concern, B1427 and B1429, which have an increased transmission rate of 20%. These still predominate, but in March, we saw our first report of the UK variant, B117, which is 50% more transmissible and more virulent. The most recent report shows more UK variants and one from Brazil, the P1 variant, which is more transmissible and virulent and possibly somewhat more resistant, not 100%, but somewhat more resistant to vaccines. South of us, there have been several of the double var- double mutant Indian uh, mutants or, or uh, variants, and uh, this has us very concerned. So we must keep up testing for surveillance to understand the spread of these variants. But our major defense now is to increase vaccination as well as all measures to suppress the virus spread in order to decrease the emergence of more variants that could change our current trajectory, which generally has been been improving. And it could also change the efficacy of the current vaccines that we have. I'm gonna move on to the tiers. We've been in the yellow tier now for two weeks, and almost immediately we saw a rise in case rates that I mentioned above. 
I think people have taken more risks. They've worn their masks less often. There are more gatherings. Mother's Day may have been uh, one of those times when some precautions were not taken. Everybody is weary, frustrated. Some are angry. We want to end this and return to normal, and I get that. But we must continue protecting our families and our community, or we'll see even more contagion. The only new openings in the yellow tier included opening saunas, hot tubs, and steam rooms. Capacity limits were a little bit increased, and there are capacity bonuses if all who attend show proof of vaccination or recent testing. I'm going to review the recently updated travel guidance from CDC and CDPH, as this is the season when people will be making their summer plans. So first of all, if you're sick or you have recently been exposed, please don't travel. Number two, wear your masks in crowded travel hubs and public transportation, regardless of your vaccine state, uh, status, and maintain six feet of distance as much as possible from anyone who is not a household member, and avoid crowds as much as possible, and wash often or use the hand sanitizer. It is safer being fully vaccinated, and if you are, bring your proof of vaccination. If fully vaccinated, you may travel within the United States without testing and without quarantine when you return unless you are ill or unless your destination requires it. If you're not vaccinated, get tested one to three days before you begin your travel and bring proof that it was negative. Also test three to five days after you return and quarantine for a full seven days even if the test is negative. And if no test was done, uh, quarantine should last 10 days. Avoid contact with more vulnerable people for at least 14 days and continue to self-monitor. And of course, if the test is positive, isolate for a full 10 days. International travel is a little bit more complex. You want to check with the CDC travel website. Since 80% of other countries in, on Earth now are on a no-travel list due to COVID. That includes Mexico and Brazil and, of course, many, many others. Check the requirements of the other countries that you will uh, travel through and also the countries that you'll uh, that of your destination. Be flexible since policies are different and they may change. Vaccinations. Our supply now is adequate and there have been no more shortages. Now, anyone who is over 12 years old is eligible. Those younger than 18 years old can only get the Pfizer. There are no barriers now to verification. We require only proof of your name and an address. Self-attestation is acceptable. This is all private and secure, will not affect any immigration status or um, um, eligibility for Medi-Cal or other benefits. We are partnering with the schools to vaccinate all those over 12 years old and their family members. We are actually offering rewards now for vaccines, including vouchers for meals, donuts, drinks, game cards, and more is being donated every day. The community is really interested in everyone becoming vaccinated. It will open up our community even more. There is now uh, planned a competition for a sticker design by and for kids 
Hopefully that'll be out in June. And uh, we have some PSAs being done, uh, one by space and others are uh, being considered among tricks. Now recommend that all childhood vaccines, and this goes for other vaccines, can be given together with the COVID vaccine before or after it with no more waiting period between the vaccinations. We'll continue some in the county, some large events, but having many more small events, including for individuals and very small groups. To support all this, we are continuing and increasing our outreach on social media, radio, as well as flyers, door hangers in English and Spanish, and billboards are in the works. Our current vaccination data for the county, uh, which again does not include the federal government's um, uh, uh, Indian Health Service vaccines, the VA, or retail pharmacies. As of May 13th, over 74,485 people uh, have gotten vaccine. I should say it differently. 74,485 vaccines have been administered in Mendocino County. 58% in our county are at least partially vaccinated. That's compared to 62% in California. 45% of our county over 16 years old are fully vaccinated. 55% of people in the lowest resource zip codes or quartile one are at least partially vaccinated. 59.6% in quartile two are at least partially vaccinated. 45% of our Hispanic community uh, are uh, at least partially vaccinated and 59.8% of our Caucasian community is at least partially vaccinated. By ages, those who are 16 to 17 years old, 30% have been at least partially vaccinated. 48% of the 18 to 49 year olds, 71.4% of those people who are between 50 and 64 year old, and 72.7% of those over 65 years old. Our vaccination clinics next week, generally our county has one to three clinics per day all of next week, not including the weekends. Although this Sunday, one of the community clinics is going to be having a special clinic for the 12 to 15 year olds. And uh, the specifics about these clinics can be found on the county website uh, or by calling your local community clinics. So in summary, while we're in the yellow tier, we have been seeing a worrisome rise in cases, hospitalizations, and intensive care unit cases. We are seeing more variants that spread faster and are more virulent. Numbers are small now, but we could see an exponential surge if this continues. So while we are opening our economy, we must be vigilant. Graduations are on the horizon, Memorial Day, July 4th, all the sporting events and travel that could happen over the summer could be super spreader events. I want to remind uh, you that we are living in two worlds. Those who are vaccinated, including uh, those, those who are vaccinated can safely gather more. They can go to large events and travel with confidence. Those who are choosing to remain unvaccinated continue to have a risk of infection and also transmission to their loved ones and their friends. They must uh, isolate if they're infected. Some will be in hospitals and ICU. Some may die. 
Others may suffer long-term effects uh, that are just beginning to be seen at this point. And of course, if they come into contact with people who have um, uh, COVID, they will have to quarantine, whereas the people who are vaccinated no longer have to do that. So my advice is continue to test regularly, vaccinate, uh, and spread the word to family and friends. While there may be some local temporary side effects, it is nothing compared to the severity of the diseases. Continue to mask, keep distance from non-household members as needed. And this is changing, but the uh, final uh, word has not been written either from the state CDPH or even from CDC. So I'm being cautious here and staying away from the details. And if you choose not to vaccinate, be very careful to mask. Unless you are alone or outdoors with plenty of space, keep your distance from non-household members, continue your hand washing, avoid travel, avoid crowds, avoid indoor dining, gyms, and big events. Vaccination is like liberation at this point. You can get out and do the things that are more normal for you when you become vaccinated. And with that, I'll end and be open for questions. Thank you, Dr. Corrin. Now we're going to open up to a few questions from the media. Leading us off will be KZUX and Z. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, yes I can hear you. Oh, great. Okay, um, so this is Sarah Reif. And given that steam rooms and sauna rooms and movie theaters and all that are open, and we just got some new guidance from the CDC last night about um, relaxing mask rules for vaccinated people, I'm wondering who is responsible for deciding when to reopen um, public meetings like planning commission and board of supervisors and city council and all that? Um, within the county, we are um, developing our own safe reopening plan. And that has been uh, developed by our administration and CEO, Carmel Angelo. Is there a timeline for when the meetings will be open to in-person participation? There's a general timeline, uh, and I think that we're thinking um, that in uh, June, uh, we'll start to open some of the county offices. More than that, I can't, I can't be specific. I don't have the uh, plan right here. So a lot of the county offices are open, but I'm talking about uh, meetings for in-person participation. Yeah, you're talking about the, the uh, board chamber, for example, where we have the, the board meetings. Right. And, and that is not open yet, and it is actually undergoing some renovation at this point. Uh, so we want to see um, when it will be safe to open that and when the renovations will be done. What about other meetings within the county, like the City Council and Planning Commission and, and um, just the process of having in-person meetings? When, when will that be considered safe again? I don't have the answer to that right off the top of my head. I think that's going to have to be a decision as we go through uh, the summer and even before the summer as we see what happens with masking and with the current possibly surge of cases that are happening now. The main thing that we want to do, Sarah, is maintain the safety of our community. And, uh, and to that end, we don't want to have a lot of congregate meetings until we're pretty sure that it's safe. How is it safer to go to a movie than it is to attend a, a political meeting? Um, I think the decision has to be made within the county uh, administration. 
So that would be our supervisors and CEO? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Next up, we're going to have Mendocino Action News. Hello. Thank you for having this meeting again. So, Dr. Korn, I know you said you didn't want to go into the details about the new CDC guidance, but maybe you can um, instead be more clear on how California decides their guidance and how you decide your guidance. I know before you said CDC doesn't have jurisdiction over California, but California Department of Public Health does. Could you better explain that for me? Yeah, so CDC um, has written some advice uh, and for some and many jurisdictions, that will be the advice that they go with. Uh, and for California, I think the CDPH wants to be uh, in in step with the CDC, but we also want to take. They also want to take into consideration the science and the uh, and the experience of the of the uh, state as a whole. And it may be different than the rest of the United States. Uh, we have been very successful at bringing down the numbers of COVID cases, getting ourselves vaccinated under the guidance of the um, of the CBPH using a uh, you know the equity based um, plan, and so I'm waiting for the CBPH to decide. And the interesting thing about this is that yes, people have talked about um, uh, getting rid of all the masks in all these situations, but there's very little that's written down and agreed upon. So the CDPH has not really agreed on its final uh, um, uh, requirements, but we're moving toward a period of time where they want to do away with uh, the, the uh, blueprint for a safe uh, reopening of the economy. Uh, but one of the things that they have been talking about up until this week uh, has been maintaining mass guidance for people in large crowds uh, or, of course, for people who are not vaccinated. And so I think there's some discussion among the people in CDPH what their final rulings will be. And they want that to be less confusing coming out than it was going into these restrictions. So they want to align it with all the other industry guidance. As far as Mendocino County, I would love for us to be in, uh, in step with CDPH because I think that uh, that will be much less confusing for everyone, and I'm waiting for them to, to bring out their, their final instructions. But if we're having a very different uh, experience in Mendocino County, we could, um, we could establish different rules. Thank you, Danella. Do you have a follow-up question? Um, yes, a separate question. Thank you for that answer. Um, my other question is, let me find it here. I believe you said there were four, I believe, recent cases, school cases. I'm wondering if that is related to Potter Valley going back to distant learning. I know that you said there were some sport cases um, in California. Could you elaborate on that at all? Um, the sports cases uh, involved um, a coach and a member of the team in Potter, and they had played a, um, a team in Covalo, and uh, and there was some passing of the uh, infection there. So they are they are um, a uh, they are definitely a school associated um, outbreak, uh, 
but not a formal outbreak. So we have what we call a spot uh, case open on them because we're really following these cases very closely that happen in the schools. As it turns out, opening the schools has really not been a problem statewide or nationwide. The problems have come up, and they're few, but when they come up, they're involving sports. Uh, And probably it's because of the close contact in sports uh, and the... um, and breathing hard, so there's uh, much more aerosol produced, um, and there's more contact. So sports has just turned out to be uh, more of an issue. Thank you. Does that answer your question, Danelle? Yes, thank you. Very much appreciate it. Okay. Next up, Mendocino Voice. How are you doing, doctor? Okay, how are you? Good, good. Um, so I, I wanted to ask um, two kind of opposite questions. The first is for people that really love getting vaccinated, there's been um, discussion, rumor about getting um, uh, like the Pfizer and then the Johnson & Johnson on top of that, um, kind of like Pokemons, to, uh, and, and that there might be some benefit there, and especially since there seems to be a surplus potentially of the Johnson & Johnson because of the, the scare with it. So is that something that uh, is safe, and or is it something that, that um, I imagine you wouldn't recommend, but uh, could you just discuss that? Well, it's not recommended because we really want to have a two-dose series of one vaccine. That's where you get the most, um, the most immunity against these spike proteins. They're very specific against certain proteins. Um, if you mix and match, match, the concern is that uh, you, you're really not increasing the immunity, but you are in potentially increasing the risk of vaccine reactions. Um, and then the, uh, uh, the one-shot Johnson & Johnson is a very different kind of vaccine. And uh, so far, there is no research, no proof that it will work uh better in conjunction with another vaccine. And again, there may be more side effects that we just don't know about. So the advice is get the vaccine that's available to you. That's going to give you your best uh, protection. And then right. you don't need another vaccine for until we decide you need another vaccine. <laughs> we haven't gone that far yet in time. Right. But I, but I wasn't saying mix and match. I was saying, you know, two Pfizer or two Moderna and then the Johnson and Johnson or two Pfizer, two Moderna, and then another two Pfizer and, you know, another Moderna, would that be something that it's something I've heard people discussing? Would that be something too? Well, there's a difference between discussing and advising uh-huh. and thinking about it and, and uh, really, you know, coming up with uh, plots and plans and something that's safe and effective. And so there's nothing been written about that that I've seen. Okay. So I wouldn't advise it. So from the, uh, the enthusiastic vaccinators to um, people that are more reluctant, um, do you have any... I guess this is a two-parter. Do you have any data coming in now about are we hitting that wall of reluctance, of actual reluctance to get vaccinated, or is it still just an issue of sort of access to vaccination? And um, um, what is, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of research around this, but um, what is sort of a tolerable level of, of people who aren't vaccinated in our society in order to have some kind of herd immunity? I mean, can we tolerate 30% of people who just... Uh, are very anti-vaccine and it'll be, you know, and, and the, the rest of people sort of cover them or uh, is it a higher threshold? Uh, can you shed any light on that? Okay. Well, let me 
breaks it down into two things. Do we have evidence that there's some reluctance? There has been a definite fall off in Mendocino County, in California, in the United States of people who are lining up and filling these large vaccine events. And so we're we're pivoting away from the very largest vaccine events all over. And uh, as we've done in Mendocino County, we're aligning events with uh, uh, the size of the people who want to come in, our estimated sizes, and we always have some extra. Uh, in addition, because there have been a lot of um, uh, of seats that have been un, you know unfilled in these vaccine events, uh, and our supply of vaccines is quite adequate now, the CDC has uh, released um, uh, advice that we should worry less about wastage and uh, even if we have um, a vaccine or two or even a few more that are um, that are not given out at the end of the clinic we should try and get every person vaccinated who turns up to be vaccinated i hope that answers the first question uh, so there is a point of reluctance there's always in anything in society there are people who are going to be the first uh, uh, the first uh, people who, who line up, the early adapters, there'll be others who want to follow and there'll be others within within that group that there'll be some resistance. So we see it in waves. Um, as far as herd immunity, the numbers for herd immunity are you know calculated and that's a very theoretical calculation. So although you've heard 65, 75, 85, 90%, I've even heard higher than that to achieve herd immunity. The honest to God truth is we just don't know for sure. I think we're aiming for 75% if we can. One county uh, south of us has already hit over 80% of the adults have been vaccinated, and that's fantastic. Uh, but in our county, it's significantly less, and we need to keep pushing. It may not happen as fast as the first early adapters lining up. Uh, it'll be slower, but we want to make sure that everybody is encouraged. And I think they will be encouraged when they see, one, that it's safe, and two, how effective it is. I mean, look, there is nobody who's being vaccinated who's winding up in the hospital, in the ICU, or dying from COVID. It just isn't happening. And the side effects are, for the most part, very mild. There are some cases of anaphylaxis with the mRNA vaccines, uh, but they're very treatable, and, and there haven't been any, you know, significant uh um any recent deaths there certainly have not been anything like that associated uh in uh, mendocino county or northern california that i've heard about so it's very safe and extremely effective it is the way to going back to normal thank you doctor thank you for your questions next up is going to be kmud anybody from kmud All right, not hearing anything. We're going to move on to the Press Democrat. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, uh, with the case rates ticking up in the county, is there any um, concern about falling back into the orange tier before full reopening next month? And when could that happen? So cases have increased in the last few days, the last week. Um, it hasn't. Uh, consistently affected our case rate. The um, blueprint uh, tier criteria involved not only the case rate, but the case positivity rate, our vaccinations, 
the available availability of the vaccines and um you know and so there are a number of more factors and although i was very nervous about it when we first had a week where the case rate seemed higher i was reassured that uh you know it's going to take a bit more now we have two people in in the hospital med surge and two people in the intensive care unit and if the cases continue going up then we could be told we would have a week in orange and we would uh, but we would need to have we would have an orange uh, data but we would need to have two weeks of the orange metrics to consider moving us back to the orange tier with the with the restrictions from the orange tier so it could happen uh, but it's unlikely at this point got it <clears throat> great and then <clears throat> As far as the the increase in new cases, um, who is that mostly among younger people? I guess obviously it's among unvaccinated people, but but who what's who are the people? What's the demographic maybe that's driving the new cases? Yeah, it's definitely younger younger people. Although uh, some of the the people over sixty five have gotten it, gotten very sick, and of course the most recent person was in her sixties. Uh, and the person behind, before that was 67. So it still is hitting the older demographics and, uh, and uh, in the most serious ways. But we're seeing COVID significantly increased in the 18 to 49-year-old group. And they're the ones who are uh, the least well vaccinated. We want to get them in. Those are people who may be working all day, just haven't gotten a, a, around to doing it. Uh, we're trying to cater our vaccine efforts to them while we're also addressing the the young people in our community and schools the the 12 to 16 17 year olds great thank you thank you for that ethan um we do have a question from the community so i'll read that right now it's a local business owner he asks uh he or she asked the gender is not specified sorry um with the cdc guidance what can we expect wearing masks for all frontline retail team workers operating indoors and outdoors you know, this goes back to what I was saying before. Uh, the CDC guidance, uh, had the uh, president said something and the CDC walked it back a little bit. The governor said something uh, about a week or so ago and it's and it was back, he walked that back a day or so before, or a day or so later. And CDC has not come out with their final guidance, which really will be, uh, will determine uh, what's recommended and, and what's allowed in our state. But I think that while people are facing the public, we still want to protect those employees. And so it would be best for them to be uh, masked and use the barriers that they need. As more and more of them are vaccinated, we may see that that requirement will uh, decrease. Um, and there may be uh, some uh, business owners uh, who say, we're only open for business for people who are vaccinated or can show me proof of vaccination uh, and proof of a recent negative test. And that would make their store, you know, a COVID-free zone in a sense and really increase the safety. But we don't really have those, uh, that guidance yet or those strategies yet that I would depend on. But I think as more of the community is vaccinated, there'll be less of a requirement um, to, do a, uh, to do a lot of the restrictions that we've done. Uh, my thinking is masking is the safest most accessible and most protective non-pharmacological intervention we can have. And I think that, you know, for these um, contacts that people may have, 
that have been the cause of community spread that we've seen throughout this is the most important um, way that the, that the disease is spread through our communities. Masks are still very high on the list, and we shouldn't be so anxious to give them up. Thank you for that, Dr. Korn. Um, we still have a little bit of time, so I'm going to run through the media one more time with one follow-up question each. Leading us off will be KZUX and Z. Um, I'm actually done. I'll yield to someone else. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Mendocino Action News, you're up next. Okay. I have a question. I just need to find it. I'm sorry. Does somebody, can somebody else go ahead of me? Sure. Mendocino Voice. Yeah, uh, Dr. Korn, if you could elaborate a bit more about the um, particular dangers of the double variant and the Brazilian variant that you said have been... Um, they've been confirmed to be in Mendocino County. And if you could provide us with specific dates about when those tests were taken so we have some idea of how long those variants have been in the county. So the Indian variant has not been found in Mendocino County. The Indian variant was found in some other surrounding counties in Northern California and the Bay Area. Can you say which ones? Um, I don't know offhand. I, I think that there was an, a small outbreak in, in Marin. I could be mistaken. Okay? So that one has not been. Um, what we have seen is the uh, uh, UK variant, B117, and we've seen a trickle of those, one and two here and there, and they're usually way outside the period of time that we can effectively contact, trace them, or have we found them associated with any outbreaks that we could tell. Uh, so the ones we found were not associated with other ones we found, uh, and they were not in the same place at the same time. Uh, we only found one of the Brazilian variant that uh, that came from testing positives. Um, but this, you know, so this uh, whole genome sequencing process is really for the state to get a sense of how this is traveling, how it's increasing. They were able to say that, you know, back in January, there was hardly any variants. Then during the surge, of course, we had the California variant was uh, dominant. And recently, the, um, the UK variant has become a significant uh, variant in, in, in the state and in other states. We're still uh, not seeing outbreaks from those variants because of the high vaccination levels that there are in California. Uh, and just that Brazilian variant, when, was that last week? Was that a month ago? How long ago did that? Um... You know, I don't have that right in front of me. It was not in the last week. It was in the last, I think it was in April. Okay, thank you very much. Next up, Press Democrat, Ethan. You still on the line, Ethan? All right. I'm going to go back to Kazuek and Z. I believe Alicia had a question that she wanted to ask. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Corin. Oh, am I still muted? I believe that was me with Mendocino Action News. No, I, I, I'm hoping oh, in here, Danila. <laughs> hey, sorry, I was muted. Hi, Dr. Corin. Um, I think the news of the of the day, of course, is the CDC's announcement that uh, they are saying now that vaccinated people don't need to wear masks or socially distance. And I'd, I'd just appreciate if we could get a clarification as Mendocino County residents. How should we respond to that advice? Is it time to 
throw our masks out the car window or do you want us to keep stay the course, keep wearing masks, keep socially distancing until the California Department of Public Health comes out with guidelines, you review it and then come out with guidelines for the county? Yeah, absolutely. The CDC uh, is not the agency that has jurisdiction over California. Um, They create advice, but do not have the same guidance uh, effect on the states. Uh, They're a research body. They're very respected. They're very good. Uh, But it's also, uh, they're coming at it from the point of view of the entire nation. And the CDPH is going to take that information and also local information and come out with their recommendations. Um, And so at this point, it is stay the course and and do what we have in in the current guidance. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Mendocino Action News, you're up next. Um, Dr. Corrin, you said, I think, I'm trying to remember, back, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Johnson & Johnson vaccines and some reactions. I think there was two cases per million women regarding the, you know, risk blood clot um, condition. And you said there was something to do with men. Um, recently, there's a rumor going around town, you know, about a vaccine causing some severe uh, reactions to a case in Mendocino County. Can you either debunk that or add to that? Has there been any severe reactions to vaccines in Mendocino County? I have not heard of any, no. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah, did you have your follow-up question? No, I, I think Alicia just asked the best question of the day. All right. Well, uh, if with that, um, that sums up today's COVID-19 update. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to give Dr. Korn an opportunity to give a concluding comment if you'd like. Well, I would just reiterate, uh, we're really seeing an increase in case over the last week. That doesn't mean there's a surge, but it means that I'm worried. And uh, I do want people to understand that there are really two different worlds now. And, uh, you know, the world of the unvaccinated is more younger people, 18 to to, uh, 49, people in the prime of their lives. And they're the ones who are being uh, sickened most by this COVID vaccine, I mean, of of this COVID virus. And the vaccine can break them free of that. That's that's their way to get to ballgames, to get the gathering safely, uh, to do what they want to do. And um, the vaccines have proven very effective. Uh, not only for preventing the illness in ourselves, but transmitting it to our loved ones. And it really uh, is is the light at the end of the tunnel. And they're safe. They're very safe. So they're safe and effective. And uh, we want everybody to come over into the world of the vaccinated so we can let down some of the restrictions and probably more safely uh, reduce the use of masks. That's what we want to see. So I hope everyone stays safe. Uh, plan well for the upcoming uh, season of gatherings and of travel. Uh, but in order to do that, really, I want to emphasize, get vaccinated. Thank you, Dr. Corrin. Uh, our next update is scheduled for May 28th. Please continue to follow Minnesota County Public Health on our Facebook page for all COVID updates. Thank you for joining us, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. I know. All right, that's going to do it for Mendocino County's coronavirus briefing for today. 
May 14th. This is Alicia Bales. I'm live in the studio and I wanted to just run down the vaccine opportunities in the county while we're here talking about the coronavirus. Um, I've got a list of the county's first dose vaccine events and then their second doses doses for Pfizer and for Moderna shots. So starting with tonight in Hopland at the intersection of Highway 101 and Highway 175. They'll be out there from 5 to 7 p.m. No appointment is necessary. And this is a first dose vaccination event for anyone age 12 and older. If you're a minor, uh, a, a parent or legal guardian must print out and sign a consent form for you to get your shot. So you can find that at mendocinocounty.org where you can print it out. On Monday, May 17th in Point Arena at the Point Arena City Hall, they'll be giving shots from 3 to 5 p.m. They're offering Moderna first doses for all people aged 18 and older. You can schedule an appointment for this event at mendocinocounty.org, but all county vaccine events are also now walk-in, so you don't need an appointment to show up. If you just have an impulse, you can just go. Wednesday, May 19th in Ukiah, there's a first dose Pfizer vaccine event at Manzanita Services, which is at 410 Jones Street in Ukiah. And that's from 1 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is open to everyone 12 and older. Minors need a signed parental consent form. Again, uh, Manzanita Services in Ukiah on Wednesday, May 19th from 1 to 2. Also in Ukiah on Wednesday, May 19th, at the Ukiah Fairgrounds, there's a Moderna first dose event. That's from 4 to 7 p.m., again for anyone 18 and older. On Friday, May 21st in Redwood Valley, there's a first dose Pfizer event at Eagle Peak Middle School. That's from 8 to 10 a.m., and it's open for anyone 12 and older, especially students and their families. On Friday in Ukiah, there's also a first-dose Pfizer vaccine event at Pomalita Middle School, and that's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., again, for anyone 12 years old and older, especially students and their families. And on Friday and Saturday, there are Pfizer first-dose events at Ukiah High for anyone 12 and older. This is, again, for students and their families. Um, The one on Friday, May 21st, is from 2 to 5 p.m., And on Saturday, May 22nd, they'll be giving shots from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Again, that's on, that's at the Ukiah High School. For second dose events, if you've already had your first shot and you need to get your second shot, uh, for Pfizer, there is an event Tuesday, May 18th at Leggett Valley School. That's from 10 a.m. to noon for anyone who received their first dose at Leggett Valley School on April 28th, 2021. Bring your vaccination card. Um, that's a Pfizer second dose. Uh, if you received your first dose of Pfizer at Laytonville High School on April 28th, they are offering second doses of Pfizer at Tuesday, May 18th at Laytonville High School. And that is from 1230 to 1 p.m. So a small but mighty group of you. On Tuesday, May 18th, there is a second dose Pfizer clinic at Whale Gulch School. That's from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. For anyone who got their first Pfizer shot on April 28th. And big love to Whale Gold School. On Thursday, May 20th, there is a second dose Pfizer event in Ukiah at the Ukiah Fairgrounds from 3 to 5 p.m. For folks who received their first dose at the Ukiah Fairgrounds on or before April 28th or April 29th. And on Saturday, May 22nd, there's a second dose Pfizer clinic at Ukiah High School from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And that's for anyone who got their first shot at Ukiah High on May Day, May 1st, 2021.
For those of you who have your first dose of Moderna, there is there are a couple of Moderna second dose clinics. Um, actually, there's just one coming up Thursday, May 20th, a second dose Moderna clinic from 5 to 7 p.m. for anyone who received their first Moderna dose on or before April 22nd at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. So that's Thursday, May 20th, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. You can also contact your local clinic or health center to find out about local vaccine opportunities closer to you. Pharmacies such as Rite Aid, Safeway, and Walmart are offering vaccine appointments at their websites. Vets can get vaccines at the VA clinic. And tribal health centers in the county are also offering vaccines and hosting vaccine events. There are no barriers to verification. There's no effect on eligibility for benefits or your immigration status. Some events are even starting to offer rewards to people who get their shots, such as gift cards and gift certificates for food and other goodies. All county events are now walk-in. No appointments are necessary. Bring your vaccination card for your second dose. And for minors between 12 and 17 years of age, you need to bring a signed consent form from your parent or guardian. And you can print that out from the Mendocino County website at mendocinocounty.org. All right, well, that's going to do it for our COVID coverage for this Friday afternoon. If you can't get enough, tune back in on Monday at 3 o'clock when Dr. Drew Colfax will be not here, but he'll be calling in from the road to bring the latest on the coronavirus pandemic and answer all of your questions. And uh, so we'll be back for that from 3 to 4 p.m. on Monday afternoon. Look forward to joining you then. Have a fantastic Friday afternoon and a glorious weekend. And I'll see you Monday. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.